Hey y'all, what's happening? It's the Melody and Ooze here. Join me each week where I tackle different issues relating to black culture and life. You'll laugh, you'll cry, but most importantly, you'll be inspired. Peace. Hey, Muses. Welcome to episode seven of the Melanie Muse podcast. Over the past several months, it seems that the world has been in total disarray. From the impending protest calling for racial justice for black Americans to the upcoming election, there is always something new happening in the world every single week. With all that is happening in the world, the road to recovery appears to be a distant dream. Hey guys, there's been a few changes in the segments for our podcast. So just to let you guys know, we have incorporated and updated some existing segments to make it more relatable to listeners. So the first segment that we're going to go into is Have You Heard? And basically with this segment... I'm going to be sharing different trending stories um, on that you really haven't heard before or that you may not be aware of that's been going on in the media. So the first story that I want to get into is that recently, I think I saw on either Twitter or maybe was on um, the internet somewhere. Yeah, it was Twitter. I believe it was Twitter. Um, there, you know, was news talking about a potential Fresh Prince of Bel-Air 30th anniversary reunion. And if many of you don't know the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, then you're living under a rock. Um, even though the show came out well before I was born, I'm 22 now, so, and this came, show came out, you know, around the early 90s and lasted to like the mid 90s. But, you know, I grew up watching it. Um, it was a staple part of my childhood. <laughs> um, Will Smith, um, he was a rapper at the time, you know, became an actor, and I think the show kind of propelled him into the movie world. And basically the storyline of the show, if you guys aren't familiar with, um, listen to the theme song um, at your own time, but it's a story about a kid who relocates to Bella, California to live with his rich uncle and his family. And um, along the way, he learns different lessons and gets in many different kinds of adventures and nuances and things of that sort um but the show's really funny it's relatable it's like a it's like a cultural icon it plays such a huge role in today's pop culture um and you know the most of the cast is going to reunite there um will smith obviously um two of the two of the aunt vivs um i think daphne reed and janet hubert um the original aunt viv get it right um, Tatiana Ali, and I believe Karen Parsons and Alfonso Ribeiro, who played Carlton, and I believe Joseph Parcell, who played the butler Jeffrey, and DJ Jazzy Jeff, who played Will's friend Jazz. They will all be there, except the late, great James Avery. He passed away in 2013, about seven years ago, from, I think, cancer surgery. Um, and if you want more information on that, and if you're excited for the 30th anniversary, that will be linked in the description at the end of this episode. 
I'm excited. Um, and what's also really dope is that Will Smith, I think, is producing this new film called, Be or not film, but a new show called Bel Air, which is more of the dramatic, more serious side um, of the show compared to the original format, which was obviously a comedy format. Not saying that this is bad, but it's actually pretty dope. Um, I think that premieres this year. Um, I'll have more information in the episode description below, so stick around for that. Um, the next story I want to go into um, in Haven't You Heard um, is the recent story of Akon. Akon is a singer and a rapper. Um, he's from Senegal. And recently, um, I think last week, um, it was reported that he is joining Senegal's Minister for Tourism, Alion Sar, um, and they're collaborating together to build this Wakanda-inspired city in, um, inspired from the movie Black Panther. And obviously it might be a tribute to Chadwick Boseman who played our beloved King T'Challa in that movie. Um, and basically, obviously, it's a futuristic city with a lot of different utilities and it will have different kinds of technologies. And I think in the article it said something about cryptocurrencies. And then basically, um, it will visualize the future of Africa. And I guess from a face value, from yeah, on paper, I should say, um, it sounds like a great idea. Um, and it seems ideal. Um, and I think Akon, he mentioned that this project will probably increase more employment in, you know, Africa and will pro and it's supposed to serve, um, as you mentioned, a safe space for black Americans that are dealing with craziness in America right now, discrimination, things of that sort. So it sounds like a dope idea. I don't know how it's going to be pulled off. I don't know whether construction's been made or not. But it sounds like a really dope idea. And, and with all that black people have experienced over these past 400 and plus years, it would be nice to have our own safe, safe haven, our own Wakanda, because it's too much right now. Um, and right now, I think they're doing the first phase of the project, the Wakanda-inspired city. And it's expected to be completed in a couple years, 2023, it says. And this project was basically um, was started back in 2014, about six years ago. Um, Akon he launched some initiative called Akon Lighting Africa, and that its purpose, that organization's purpose, was to provide solar powered electricity to Africans. And then, eventually, he incorporated cryptocurrency and. Um, which allowed Africans to take control of their own currency and become less dependent on their governments um, and also have them have financial freedom and independence. And I think that's how it kind of, um, that's how the city um, ideas came about or the blueprint for the Wakanda city came about. Um, and obviously there is some backlash um, from an individual um, by the name of Mike Kamani and basically, you know, um, 
well, this is part of the cryptocurrency thing, um, but he mentioned, this is Kamani now, about, you know, his plans being a sort of quote-unquote pie-in-the-sky um, type of ideology. Um, but like I said, this is kind of dope. Maybe we might get to have our own Wakanda. <laughs> um, hey, I may have to book a ticket because, you know, like I said, with the way America is now, um, you would want to, you know, hop on a plane and get out of there as quickly as you can and go somewhere else. But good luck to Akon and the rest of his organization on the construction of, you know, this Wakanda city. Um, hopefully it comes into fruition like he plans. Um, if not, then, you know, hopefully he'll explore some other avenues to, you know, I guess create more safe space for black people. Um, I think what Akon is doing is great. I, I think I've um, seen the news, I've heard in the news about his philanthropic, I don't know if I said the word right, his efforts um, to give back to charity. Um, like I said, I hope this, you know, pulls off like he says it does. Um, but yeah, that is it for Have You Heard. Um, just wanted to incorporate that new segment in there. Um, hopefully get used to it. There's a lot of changes that are going to be happening, but you'll have to stay tuned and find out. Um, but I don't want to ramble on. This is the end of Have You Heard. <laughs> What is good, muses? Um, hope you guys enjoyed that quick break. Um, we're about to transition to our next new segment called So What's the Fuss? Inspired by a Stevie Wonder song that I used to like a lot when I was a kid. Um, so What's the Fuss is basically where I bring to light controversial issues that have kind of been kept under wraps. Um, so yeah, that's that. Um, we're gonna get right into the first story. Um, I was looking at this article recently on Rolling Stone magazine about um, them possibly reopening, the investigators that is, reopening the case of Tamla Horsford, um, a young black woman who um, mysteriously died at a white slumber party um, in November of 2018. Um, to give you a rundown of the story, um, Horace Ford was invited to a, you know, slumber party by these local group of, you know, moms. Um, and it was a fun time. Everybody had a good time. They drank, they laughed, they talked, they socialized, they did the usual party stuff. Um, then shortly before 2 a.m., um, that was the last time, well, shortly before 2 a.m., I should say, that, um, Horace Ford had disappeared somehow, you know, to take another, I guess, smoker because, you know, she was a habitual smoker. Um, and she, every now and then, went to smoke during the party. But that's not the point. Um, so, yeah, that's what happened. And then fast forward to a day later, um, one of the attendees' relatives, you know, was staying with them at the time, had discovered her body um, in their backyard, um, according to the article, Horace Ford was lying face down um, in her pajamas, which was, a, I think, a black and white onesie. Um, it was a gruesome sight. Oh, my goodness. There's so many, throughout the story, there were so many conflicting stories and 
about how she died and how she may have fallen because there was a balcony in the backyard and sources have said that possibly Horace Ford may have fell from the balcony and that's how she landed face down the ground. But it's just a sad situation. Um, when it came to her case, um, I guess after that they had closed the case because they didn't really come with a solid you know, conclusion. There's still so many questions um, and this happened in Georgia. It's just messed up. Some say it was an accident. Some say the investigation may have been compromised. But the fact remains is that this woman is dead. There's, she hasn't been brought to justice. Um, but since they're now reopening this case, hopefully she, the family of Tamla Horsford will receive some type of closure because it just makes no sense on how someone could die mysteriously. And then even though she had brought her own, you know, alcohol and her cigarettes to the party, she was not under any kind of influence at all, according to the article. Um, it makes no sense. But there is some other information within the article that mentioned that, you know, in the autopsy report, she had... Uh, a high BAC, blood alcohol count, even though she wasn't sick, even though she wasn't really that under the influence. So something may have happened to her. I know also in the article it was mentioned that um, the party organizer's um, boyfriend um, and another um, male who was a husband of one of the other attendees um, were there at the party too. They were hanging out as well. So I don't know if they have anything to do with Horace Ford um, or not, but they seem a little suspect to me, even though they deny that they didn't have anything to do with it and they may have not known about it. But the way they handled this case was very disheartening, but it goes to show how the criminal justice system handles cases regarding black people, our people. It's just disgusting. So I really hope that they find, they, you know, get justice for Tamla because what happened to her was disgraceful and hopefully this Mr. Ruby saw it because I think from the way this article is being worded there's a possibility that she could have been murdered but I don't know so we'll have to stick around and find out more details about that and this article will also be um, linked in the episode description at some point so, rest in peace to Miss Tamla Horsford. May you be brought to justice. So, the next story we're going to go into is um, there's two stories back to back regarding the current president. Um, it was reported recently that the current president lied about knowing the severity of COVID 19. Um, I found out after watching this news segment on MSNBC and it was reported that the current president had known all the while about the COVID-19 virus. He was briefed many times. He was aware of its severity. However, he still somehow managed throughout these past several months to lie to the people. Um, and the reason why he did it, according to, you know, several recorded interviews he had with a prominent interviewer, 
um, he wanted to downplay the virus. He didn't want people to be alarmed. He didn't want to cause fear. Excuse me. But that doesn't mean anything. If he had just, you know, disclosed information about the virus early on, we probably would have prepared more easily. We, we would have been, you know, we would have been able to handle the virus better. But being that not only did he lie, but he continued to do it, shows that he refuses to be held accountable. He refused to take responsibility, even though he knew, even though he knows. And he had chance after chance to just come out and just disclose the information about the virus in a proper way. He was supposed to lead this country. We were going through a lot of crazy times. It's, it's ridiculous. But, you know, hopefully he turns it around and just takes responsibility and owns up to his mistake about lying to the American people because... It's ridiculous. It was a, it's really a bombshell um, that was dropped when I heard the story. Like, and it kind of confirmed my suspicions because we knew he was downplaying the virus, but we didn't know that he already knew and they was just trying to do a cover-up. Can't take these lies. I can't take these lies at all. Um, but hopefully he comes to his senses and just starts to actually act like a president and take responsibility. Um... But yeah, and that's that. And that article will also be linked in the episode description as well. Um, the next story is another one about our current, well, the current president. He, um, in a recent news article, banned diversity training. And diversity training is a tool used um, in workplace environments to teach employer, employees and employers about, you know, tolerance and cultural sensitivity because Amer America is, li is literally a nation of immigrants. We all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different walks of life. And very often, it's often, very often celebrated. But in these times that we're living in, these polarizing times, um, our diversity is threatened greatly. And so the reason why Trump you know, banned this diversity trainings because he believes it's racist and it's divisive. And when I saw that article and when I heard the story, I was very confused. I was like, but how? Diversity training and cultural sensitivity is essential. We need that because we're dealing with all types of people every day. And we have to be able to learn how to handle different types of people every day, regardless of their ethnic background, regardless of where they came from. We got to be able to handle people like that every day because it shows us tolerance. How is diversity training divisive? Diversity training is supposed to be unifying. Because in the times that we're living in, we have to foster a sense of unity. Everybody's afraid. Everybody's scared right now. We don't know what's happening. It's crunch time. 
especially between now and the election, which is not that far away. And then he, he wants to get rid of diversity training. Get out of here with that, man. We need that. We need that. We need it to unify us. We need it to make us all respect each other. In every aspect of the workplace, we need diversity training. So for him to get rid of that just shows how divisive that his presidency is. And his ideologies is as well. I don't want to say more about that. Um, that article will also be linked in the description for your reading pleasure. If you so choose to read. But this goes to show um, November is coming up. Just vote. Vote smartly, vote wisely, and make sure it counts because it does. I don't want to see no polls empty in November. I want people to go out and exercise the right that they were given, the right that many sacrificed their lives for. Vote. So the next story in what and so what's the fuss is um, the COVID-19 impact on black children's education. I came across this article one day um, from The Undefeated, which is, you know, a black owned news website. And it was basically talking about the disparities that African-American children face when it comes to their education. And it just also goes to show how, you know, our people have been severely impacted in every aspect during this COVID-19 season. Um, so right now, COVID is making it hard for kids, you know, to deal with learning and return to school because not only of the educational challenges that they're facing but also all the other all the other challenges that they're facing between that it's going to be kind of hard for them to balance their work life and their school life and then on top of that um it's been history where black children um their education has not been invested greatly and it's disheartening because you know education is the key and the door to every good opportunity that a child, especially black children, deserve. And it will be an uphill battle. But that's why in this article they they offer some initiatives to help, you know, black families, you know, combat these educational challenges. One of the biggest points that was made in this article was the importance of ch black parents being engaged in their child's learning. They have to know what's going on because that's the only way that they'll be able to understand and, and track their child's educational progress. Um, there's some statistics that have shown that 85% of you know black parents regularly read to their children. They check their homework and about 90% check their test scores and 75% of them speak to their teachers. So. Black parents have been making good headway when it comes to being invested in their child's education and, and engaging with them. But, you know, in the advent of online learning, they're trying to figure out other different ways to, you know, have kids become engaged. Because of this online learning thing, it's kind of hard. You're dealing with all types of distractions and, you know, the little ones, the ones in the smaller grades are not able to concentrate well because they're literally sitting in the computer all day. And it's it will be hard for them to remain focused because they're literally at a screen and it may make some restless. Um, and then this article really talked about how COVID has 
you know, disproportionately affected our people a lot. And with regards to our education, um, there's been some learning gaps. Um, statistics have shown that 70% of black households want children to stay online because, you know, if since schools are reopening, if, you know, black families put their children in school, that puts them or us at a greater risk of contracting the virus, which is obvious in that point. And then on top of that, I guess mental health is another factor that's kind of um, plays a role that's in this article. And one thing the article kind of mentioned, this is towards the end of it, um, it mentions the importance of, you know, consulting other school staff members like the school counselors, the psychologists, the social workers that will provide support. Um, and the biggest thing is to have, you know, their kids' voices heard because they're, you know, and the family's voice is heard because, you know, how our children learn, it should, it should matter. And so this, hopefully this quarantine season has given our children a great opportunity to find ways to, you know, to be more interactive with their education. And I just hope that our children, our black children, have all the educational resources that they need. There's so many out there, um, I guess within their schools and even within the internet, that would be able to give our kids the best learning experience that they could possibly have. Um, because it's, it's, it's hard right now. I'm remote learning right now and it's not the best, but I'm taking it one day at a time. And I think that's what we all have to do with this technology thing. And with this crisis, we've got to take it one day at a time. Um, so that article on, you know, education um, will be linked in the description box. And so that is the end of So What's the Fuss? Hopefully you guys enjoy that new segment. Um, you're going to have to get used to it um, when it comes to incorporating this and the other one that was mentioned earlier. So we're going to go into a segment of this episode called Daily Musings, and it's basically where I share my opinions about what's been trending in the news. And so this past Friday was 19 years ago that the tragedy of 9-11 had happened. Um, two planes had struck the Twin Towers um, in New York, um, the World Trade Center, and it was a lot of chaos that day. I don't remember it at all because I was about three when that happened. And so I don't remember at all, but my parents probably remember because they used to work in New York at the time. So it, but I've seen reports, you know, news clips um, of the tragedy that happened that day. There was a lot of chaos, um, you know, Virginia and I think Pennsylvania were also affected as well. Um, yeah, it's it's just a sad story. It just happened so suddenly, um, like without warning. Um, but yeah, I know a lot of first responders were involved and 
most of them were the majority of the ones that had died trying to save people that were impacted by this tragedy. Um, it's just very disheartening that, you know, each year we have to relive that tragedy of people that have lost loved ones have to relive that tragedy. Um, but yeah, it was sad. Um, it was very emotional. I, I can remember um, back in the middle school, we had taken a family trip up to New York, New Jersey, that area. We had visited the you know World Trade Center site and it was turned into a memorial and it basically um, had the names of the victims engraved at the site. And I don't know what to say. Um, rest in peace to all the people that have passed. Um, I'm sure you could find many stories about the 9-11 tragedy because, you know, there's plenty out there for you, at your disposal. But that's just a day that a lot of people will never forget. And it made me realize that life is very uncertain. Um, and that we have to make every day count because anything could happen and it could change our lives forever. And in this case, 9-11 happened and it shaped the way that Americans, our country has viewed, you know, security. Um, I know that in the wake of this tragedy, um, America particularly the government in particular, has implemented more stauncher security practices, especially when it comes to like air travel and safety. Um, I know TSA and the airports are even pre-COVID and I guess, you know, during COVID now have, you know, hunkered down on the security safety practices. And the reason why they have that is because of what happened at 9-11. Prior to that, Prior to 9-11, you know, we were under the impression that, you know, nothing ever tragic could touch this country. Um, we were, you know, shielded from, you know, the international terrors of the world and that, you know, our country would not be affected. And then when 9-11 happened, it was kind of a wake-up call for us to really have a better handle on our security. Um, so... Rest in peace, like I said, to all the victims. What happened at 9-11 could have probably been preventable. Um, but, you know, things happen for a reason. And never forget 9-1-1. So that's on that. Um, the last story I kind of want to get into is another unfortunate, tragic one. About several weeks earlier, prior to 9-11, Aaliyah, the R&B singer, had passed. And several weeks ago, it had been 19 years since she had passed. Um, and strangely enough, it was in a plane crash. Um, that's how Aaliyah had met her demise. Um, I remember throughout the years I would, you know, listen to Leah's music. I was never really a big fan. I mean, 
I, like I said, even around that time, I was still young. I didn't really know her music like that. I wasn't familiar with her until recently. Um, and even today, I was just on YouTube just listening to her music. I was listening to interviews. And even earlier today, I was just listening to her music before recording. Um, and Aaliyah, she was a sweet soul. Um, just on how she carried herself. Um, how she had her own sense of style. Um, that confidence that she had. That swagger that she had. That, you know, not a lot of female entertainers had at the time she definitely stood out and she definitely left a last a lasting legacy in her music like for real if you listen to today's current r&b music um you'll find that a lot of you know current female r&b artists um have a lot of her influence um her influence is imminent in her fashion sense in you know the hairstyles, um, even in her in the the mannerisms that she had, it's it's imprinted all over you know the music industry, especially among Black female entertainers. Um, she accomplished a lot in her short twenty two years of life, and she was destined for more because at the time of her passing, um, she was um, on the way to becoming one of the hugest stars of her generation and even in Hollywood at the time. She was transitioning to the movie world at the time. She was planning other, you know, projects with other people. And then on that, you know, fateful day in August 25th, 2001, she got on that plane and went to glory. But I've heard like stories where initially um, they at time to like you know rest and maybe relax because they had traveled to um one of the islands in the bahamas and that's where they shot you know Aaliyah's final music video rock the boat and they you know were initially scheduled to leave the bahamas the day after the 25th the 26th but for whatever reason you know Aaliyah and her crew I think there were eight other members on the plane. They they were determined to get home. Not only that, you know, I heard that Aaliyah's boyfriend at the time, Dame Dash, he he wanted to see Aaliyah. He had convinced her you know, to come quickly. And I guess Aaliyah initially didn't want to get on the plane because the plane at the time that they were taking was small. Um, Aaliyah created a lot of equipment and... With a small plane like that, it won't be able to hold all that equipment and them. And so reports said, you know, Leah and her crew boarded the plane, even though Leah had her reservations about it. And I think even um, about a month before her passing, Leah had a dream, I guess, about or a premonition about maybe her death, about how, you know, she was flying or something. And that's kind of how Leah had her fear of flying. Um, so, Aaliyah and them, they got on the plane, even though, like I said, they had their reservations about it, they boarded it, the plane that took off, and then shortly before it crashed, I think Aaliyah, I think sources have said Aaliyah maybe had have had a heart attack because of the shock, um, or the, or the impact of the plane before it, you know, crashed. And everybody died on board. 
the plane barely took off and it just crashed because of the weight. And even with that tragedy, there's still so many unanswered questions about it. Like, why would you take a plane and all that shit left a huge legacy. I think in one of her, one of the documentaries, the MTV video diaries that she made, I believe, about a month or so before her passing, um, she had wanted people to remember as an entertainer, as someone, you know, who did all that they could, you know, to bring joy to people's lives through music and things of that nature. And Aaliyah definitely did entertain. Um, I'm starting to appreciate her music more now than I did because I didn't really know who she was. I think my earliest memory of Aaliyah was when I was about five. I think I saw the Rock the Boat video, you know, that I guess was in rotational BT at the time. This was after passing anyway. I saw it in like a barbershop somewhere. But that's kind of my earliest memory of Aaliyah, that Rock the Boat video. And that video is kind of iconic too. And I was looking at the video where the director, Hype Williams, had said, you know, the experience being on set of Rock the Boat was kind of ethereal or kind of heavenly, like everything just came into place. And then, you know, that day came. Um, but rest in peace to Aaliyah. You're, you will always be one in a million. Um, you inspired a whole new generation to your music, to your legacy. It's never going to die. Um, and I just pray that, you know, she's at peace. Um, and hopefully her music will live on in the hearts of many forever. On that note, um, about to close out this episode. And that is the end of our daily musings and the end of this episode, episode seven. So thanks for hanging out with me at the Melanated Muse today. Make sure to follow our podcast on Spotify, Anchor, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, connect with us on social media at Melanated Muse Podcast on Instagram, at Muse Melanated on Twitter, and the Melanated Muse on Facebook for weekly updates. Follow me on social media. Write me back, underscore, and at Leah underscore Marie without the A on Twitter. As a growing podcast, we always, always are looking for ways to improve and enhance our brand and engage you guys. Um, feel free to send us a voicemail on Anchor or send us a DM on our social media if you have any comments or questions about our podcast, what you like, what you don't like. I'm all ears. I'm an open book. If you're interested in being a guest on our podcast or would like to have me as a guest, um, on whatever platform that you have, feel free to send me an email at our email address, melanie20 at gmail.com. That's all I have for today, folks. I hope you guys um, stay Gucci. Um, as always, sending you love, peace, and light, the Melanie Muse. <laughs>